Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey guys, welcome back to Brown Ambition, episode two. Hey, 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 it's Tiffany again, and I'm back. So, Mandy, <laughs> welcome back. Yes, how was your Thank week? Thank you for coming back. <laughs> um, life is pretty good. Okay. Uh, we're so excited you guys actually downloaded and listened to the very first Brown Ambition. Yes. We know it was kind of rough. We know that we're new at this. Yes. <laughs> again, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com with all of your complaints and maybe some compliments too. <laughs> yes, say something um, nice. We love hearing from you guys. Without further ado, let's start the show. Yes. For Buzzworthy this week, we wanted to talk about something that's not so much in the headlines as a part of our daily life, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to, and what it's like to be the only one in the office, the only one who maybe is of color around the table. You know, I didn't really real or appreciate the fact that I was the only one in the office until obviously after college when I actually got into an office and Mm -hmm. got a job. And I think that it's challenging in ways that I never expected. There was a week recently, and again, I cover finance, which financial journalism is already a pretty small world. Yeah. And, you know, it's there's very low diversity in general in journalism as a profession, which is something that needs to be addressed, but especially in financial journalism. Mm-hmm. There are so few of us. And being a woman, you know, it's difficult. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting at my desk and I was listening to another podcast, which I love, called Another Round, which has these two great writers from BuzzFeed, Heaven and Tracy. And just listening to them talk like we're talking right now, Mm -hmm. I realize I haven't had a conversation with another black woman in my place of work in two, three years. Wow, that's crazy. Like someone I work closely with, like Mm -hmm. that I can turn to and like say, what the, like what's happening? (laughs) What did he just say? Did she just say? Or Mm -hmm. what should we say? And having that sense of camaraderie, you know, I feel like I get that from my friends outside of work, obviously, and my family and stuff. But Mm -hmm. there's something about having someone to turn to at the office especially when there's stuff, especially when you're sitting around a table, you know, every morning I go to work and uh, we sit around the table and talk about our ideas for stories for the week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're talking about, I don't know, gender inequality and uh, income inequality and the wage gap, you know, it'd be nice to have someone sitting next to me to back me up. Yes. If I'm talking about pitching an idea to maybe for once not just talk about gender inequality as a whole and maybe mention the fact that women of color, Latinos, Latinas and and, uh, black women are way more likely to um, face inequities. Yeah. And make and make less. That'd be nice. So like for me, it's like it's a little different. So I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I have a business called The Budget Nista. And so I grew up 
my parents are African. I grew up in a very African household, very homogeneous. It was like Nigeria Central at home. But then I went to a very white middle school and high school. So it was like all, almost all white at school. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example of how white like my middle school was. I remember I had uh, my best friend, Veronica. She was the only black girl. And there was one other little black boy, Bobby Tyson. I will never forget Bobby <laughs> because every time a girl from school was like, ooh, Tiffany, you like Bobby? I'm like, no. You should like Bobby. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so how old were you? It, I was like, I don't know, like sixth, seventh grade. You know, like that's when you start liking boys. And, you know, like my friends who because I had – white friends too you know and so my friends who are white were all you know they were kind of like linking up and starting to like boys and I guess they were looking around for potential suitors for 10 11 year old Tiffany and they're like hmm <laughs> it's like the pickings are slim for the I can tell you were a catch <laughs> yes exactly what about Bobby Tyson <laughs> <laughs> poor Bobby he was a really nice guy anyway so now it's a little different as far as being the only one. What I found is because I work for myself, I don't go into an office, but sometimes um, I will find, like, I just did um, a speaking engagement with a really large corporation, and I was surprised they asked me to speak because when I got in front of the audience, it was all, I call it, the white women with wealth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you sure? So it was so bad that there was, like, maybe one Wait, of why them- didn't you feel... Why didn't you feel like you fit? Did you like not feel like you fit in or that they wouldn't relate to what you were saying? Or? You know, I, I didn't think because, you know, when it's well, for those if you've gone to like a white high school, I didn't yes. I didn't notice at first, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm just used to being I was used to being the only brown. But it wasn't until there was like one other brown woman in the audience. So so afterwards I spoke, I did a really good job. So I wasn't nervous because I had not really noticed. I mean, I kind of noticed, but not. It wasn't on the forefront of my mind. This woman pulled me to the side and said, thank you so much this brown woman. And I said, oh, you know, you're welcome. I'm thinking she means in general. She said, no, you killed it. She said, when you came into the room, Tiffany, women behind me were whispering, like, I know that's not the person who's speaking. I know it's not her. And saying basically like, what? Yes. And I, but I didn't know that, you know? Mm. And so like, I know it's not the black girl talking. They thought I was there to check the mic. Mm. And, uh, you know, so when I spoke, they didn't, you know, because how could I know about personal finance? But like I said, I didn't, thankfully, I didn't know that was happening. And so I killed it. And that um, to me is what, what brown ambition is all about. Yeah. Because people don't realize when you talk about being the only one or, or being what it means to be brown, whether it's black, white, black, Asian, Latino, whatever. It's the fact that when you walk in a room, mm-hmm. everyone's expectations, not everyone, but some people's expectations mm-hmm. will already be so low yes. for you. And you don't know what that does to a person yes. or what, you know, you're projecting that onto that person. Like we expect so little of you that anything you do will be, you know, will be surprised. Yeah. Like, and luckily, thankfully, because of just like this mixed kind of like upbringing of like a white high school African household. And since now I live in Newark, which is like largely black. So because of that, I didn't. I'm so glad I did not notice the energy because I would not have done well Mm -hmm. because I would have been nervous or maybe tried to overcompensate. But my thought was just to do what I always do, you know, do a good job and then leave. And when she said that, I was kind of just like, really? Wow. I thought she's checking the mic. She's actually speaking. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then it made me question, like, wow, why did this organization pick me? They knew the audience was going to be white women with wealth. And they were like, no, we want Tiffany. Mm. 
And so it made me feel good that one, that they believe me because this is like a huge national organization that chose me. And then two, it made me feel good because, and it's such a shame, you know, you have to like carry the the weight of your race on your back. I know you've felt that at times, Mm -hmm. but it made me feel good to like, well, like, well, you did good. So hopefully there's some women in the audience who the next time there's a brown girl in front is going to be like, well, the last brown girl did good. So, you know, maybe give her a little bit more leeway. But so that's... Yeah, how many women of color who are in a place of position of power or who are like killing it in their careers? Mm-hmm. Serena Williams comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Misty Copeland, the you know who was just named the first African American mm-hmm. principal ballerina at the American Ballet Theater. Amazing. I know. Um, but they give these interviews, and both of them will talk about the fact that they feel like they have to be amazing. Mm-hmm. There's this there's this ex- additional pressure on top of the pressures of their field, um, that they have to come with their A-game every time. You can't have an off day yeah. because if you have an off day, then, oh, that's how everyone is. Yes. That's how all your people are. Or just attitude. You know, we have this whole brown girl attitude, like, oh. So it's like, you know, if, you, if you're if you having a bad day, and maybe you just don't, like we talked about resting bitch face before just between <laughs> the two of us. <laughs> and I totally guilty. have. I hate resting. saying guilty, but yeah. I do. You know? And it's just like, I, and so if that's not what it is. It's not, I don't necessarily have an attitude, but it's, sometimes you have to do this forced fake smile so people don't think you're naturally mean. Mm-hmm. And so, especially if you're in the, in the audience of the being the only one, because then you have to be like extra on. I mean, after speaking, I literally went home and collapsed because I, I was so exhausted from being, like, extra, extra on because I wanted to, you know, I did not want to disappoint the race. Mm-hmm. I did not want to misrepresent the race in the wrong way, which is crazy to have to carry all of that. I'm like, I should just be able to come and be Tiffany and leave and be Tiffany, you know? And on but, top of being of color, you're also a woman in a field that has been, we both are, mm-hmm. fields that have historically been dominated by men. And um, I feel when I speak up, in the newsroom sometimes it's um you know in the back of my head as much as I try and stamp out this part of me there's a question of man are they gonna be like oh it's Mandy again talking about our all male all white panel Mm. you know like you know oh here comes Mandy she's just always bitching about something you know doesn't she wants us to have the proper quotas of genders and races and stuff and that's what you know when you're the only one that's it's more easy to label you as that you know it's it's more easy to be like oh she's just the one problem person exactly so Um, it's clearly not an issue because only mandy's complaining right it's like well i wish someone else was here to say it's also an issue (laughs) there's also pressure on us Mm -hmm. we were talking about this earlier there's pressure on you as a black woman me as a black woman a man as a black man to convince others or to explain to others why they should be upset about something or where our struggle is coming from i mean we have to constantly explain to people what hashtag black lives matter Mm -hmm. is all about um and i feel like it's so easy to educate yourself yes you know what you're not going to get this kind of education from um like a school I mean, you can't sit here and tell me, oh, well, they didn't teach us that in school, so it's okay. I'm ignorant. Mm -hmm. They didn't teach me either. I had to go out and read about, you know, my ancestry and the history of civil rights movement and the civil rights movement's happening right now. I'm just glad, you know, just hit up Google or Yahoo.com search. (laughs) (laughs) Yahoo search it um, and find out for yourself. There's no reason why. There's no excuse to be uneducated about issues. There's just none. And there's Zero. just so many things that you can listen to. Like, there's this great podcast that Manny and I both enjoy called The Read, and they talk about race all the time. And I get it. Sometimes it can be really heavy. But then to me, it's like this, that if you don't want to educate yourself, then just please be quiet. Mm. Because if you're not going to educate yourself, then don't be, like, loud and ignorant. You can't be wrong and loud. Like, just pick one. Pick one struggle and ride out with that. Until you've 
read what you need to read and educated yourself right. I think silence is silence can make you sound smart. Yes. <laughs> Knowing when to shut the F up can make you sound real smart. <laughs> Miley Cyrus Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> It is time for our brown break. I don't know if you guys remember from last week, we talked about what our brown break is. So brown break is Explain just, to us again. So really, it's just when you're just like, you know what? It's too much. This brownness, this brown life, this brown skin, it's just so heavy. And I just need a break from certain topics or just something that's happening right now. So Mandy and I each choose a brown break and we just kind of take a break from it. Okay. Let me know what's your uh, what are you taking a break from this week? So this week I'm taking a break from Mr. Comover himself, the Donald. Okay. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> he is just so offensive and just it's almost like he I don't even I don't know. I don't mean I can't possibly understand what goes on in his mind when he says things, especially about um the Latin community and just you know, just so just racist and I'm just and like, sexist. Yeah, very. And I just I just need a break from Donald. I mean, I needed a break when he did uh, you know, that show. Um, whatever. The Apprentice. Yes. I just needed a break. It was just too much. And I just needed but a he's break. He's so much worse now because people are not because he's everywhere. Yeah. People know he and you know what? My people, the media, it's our fault. Honestly. Yeah. We've made him into a, a subject worth talking about ourselves. Yes. Our so that's it. My break. Bad. Taking Donald break, and I don't want to hear about Donald for a little while. Just stay out of my mentions with it. I recommend 12 doses of ignoring CNN.com <laughs> okay. and also CNN the channel. All right. That is my prescription for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, my break this week is something that if you've ever written on the Internet, which is what I do as my job, that's how I get paid some way and somehow, um, you know my biggest fear, your biggest fear, is the internet troll. Mm. Internet commenters, perhaps it's because I, work, I, I write for Yahoo, which has a hundred gajillion, bajillion um, readership mm-hmm. every day people log in. And some people log in just to troll. Ugh. Just to say racist things. Just to get on their soapbox. So maybe um, let's take a, a walk back. So tell them what trolling means on the internet. Trolling, just in case. okay. So let's say you see an article. I'll give it an example. So I was down in New Orleans a couple weeks ago to cover the 10-year, um, I hate calling it the anniversary, but it's been 10 years since uh, Hurricane Katrina obliterated the Gulf Coast. So I was down there and I was doing some stories about how African-American men in particular have been left behind from um, sort of the revival of New Orleans. They still earn less. They're still way more likely to be in jail. They're still way less likely to have a job. So I write this story and within a minute of publishing it, and you know, a minute's not long enough to read 2,000 words. Mm -hmm. I'm not a mathematician, but I'm pretty sure it's not. (laughs) Immediately, emails, immediately, comments, why would I ever hire black people? This is all Obama's fault. We can't, you know, uh, the same things. Oh, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say the government shouldn't be supporting these people. You know, they're all just so lazy, just racist, racist, racist stuff. And it's, it kind of diminishes your faith in humanity Mm -hmm. because, you write that I wrote that story with like such heart and such you know taking so much care of the people I talked to and they were so open with me. Maybe I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, but having a, a very proud black father, it's not 
easy for a black man to admit that he is failing in a way mm-hmm. and that it might be out of his control and that he's not able to provide for his family. And the fact that I had gotten these men to open up to me about this experience and what it's like being in post-Katrina New Orleans was very, like, I, it was a personal story. I know yeah. I shouldn't, like, in, you know, put myself in a story, but it was it was personal. I take it very seriously. And it's, it's even, it's all that makes it all the more hurtful when we have internet trolls who just want to say completely unrelated stuff about my story and use the fact that I write for a major website and use that as their soapbox. Yeah, it's very disheartening. Yeah, this was never like, it was never, I didn't want to give them a platform. I want to give people in my story a platform. Yeah. That's what it's about. So trolls, I always hear Opal say, don't read the comments. You sometimes you gotta. I mean, yeah. sometimes every once in a blue moon there might be a thoughtful comment. Um, but I'm with like I, I feel like you should just get rid of them. I, I wish we can get rid of comments. I, I, I just, don't know why we don't. I remember one time I did this um, interview with HuffPost Live, and mm. I talked about how when I was like 25, I had made this really big um, investment mistake, and a friend of mine. Well, clearly not a friend, but air quotes, a friend of mine like stole all this money from me off a credit card. And I was just explaining, like, I was really young and I made this dumb mistake, but I was using it, I used that mistake as a catalyst to start the Budgetista and to help people who had made their own financial mistakes. You would think, there's nothing to say bad about that. People went in, you're the dumbest thing. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you be human? (laughs) I mean, that's just, I can't believe you did that. Clearly, you were selling yourself, your bodies. Just some, some crazy, some woman said something so hurtful, I had to write her back. And I wrote her back and I said, you know, this is so hurtful. I was 25 years old. And at the time, my goal for um, investing this money with my friend was because I really wanted, my parents worked so hard their whole lives. I really wanted to use that money to help them Mm. with bills and stuff. And that's the reason why, you know, I made this choice to trust this person because the person was my friend at the time. He was independently wealthy. And that's why I made this choice. I guess I don't know what I, I didn't, I didn't curse at her. I wasn't rude, but she was so shamed. She rolled back and said, I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed of myself. I couldn't believe it. She said, you know, I was projecting on you um, my own insecurities and thoughts and feelings. I, I truly mm. apologize. So it's amazing how nice they are when you email them back and yeah. you prove that you're a human. Yeah. Well, not all of them. Some people are just Some. like, I don't care. <laughs> I take I make it a point to email when it's an email. See, leaving a comment is easy. But if you go out of your way to find my email address, mm-hmm. which I don't make easy and you found it and you've taken the time to email me something hurtful, then I respond 99.9% of the time thoughtfully. And I would say about 75% of the time I get a, I get an email back with someone mm. who's very polite. Yeah. Very polite. And they might have just said the most racist thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to take a brown break from that. Trump and you internet <laughs> trolls, you know who you are. Not, not our BA audience. No. But the trolls. <laughs> Don't take this opportunity to email any foolishness either. Like, ooh, they need <laughs> some trolls in their life. <laughs> All right. So now that we have taken our brown break, if you have a brown break, we'd love to hear because sometimes Mandy and I might not need a brown break. You might need one. And we'd love to share it. You can share your brown break with us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. That's brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And we will share it and we can break together. All right, guys, it's time for one of our favorite segments, Tip of the Week. I'm going to go first this week because I get this question all of the time. I am desperately wanting to know how I can negotiate a higher salary for myself when I am going from one job 
to the next. Okay. This may be a bit controversial, but I say there's nothing wrong with inflating your salary a little bit mm. so that you get a bigger bump from the job that's looking to hire you. And here's why. If you go in with a salary that you're already unhappy with, like let's say this is what I've done. For three years early in my career, I didn't negotiate. So I was already at a low salary point. Like I missed out on three years worth of raises because I didn't negotiate. When I was looking to uh, get hired at a new place, I thought, okay, I should be at this level, mm. but I'm not because I haven't been negotiating. So I need to find a way to like moralistically, ethically make it okay to lie just a little bit about my, <laughs> my base salary. So here's what I did to make myself feel better. You can add in any little perk that you get. Do you get mm. free snacks? Do they give you transportation uh, mm. subsidies for your car, whether it's gas money or paying for your metro car if you take the subway to work? Any little perks that you get, do they give you, do they pay for part of your cell phone bill? That goes into your, your base salary. On top of that, do you have any things like stock options? Do you get a bonus every year? All that gets That's added on top smart. of your base salary. So by the end of it, I was about 15% higher at my base when I went into this job. And because of that, they're not, they're not just going to meet you where you say you, you are. They're obviously going to give you an extra 10 or 15% above that. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I worked out a 25% raise just because I gave my base salary a little bit of a boost. Um, and there's some quid pro quo, quos, like you should do your research. You should make sure that whatever you're giving them is still within range yeah. of what's acceptable for the job that you're going in for. And you can easily find salary estimates on Glassdoor.com or Salary.com and ask friends who are in the same field as you to get a sense of what's realistic. Because the last thing you want to do is ask for way too much, yes. which is going to turn off an impossible potential employer. So that's my tip. And don't be afraid. I was I was like sweaty palms on the phone, like <laughs> telling this not quite a lie, but kind of a lie. But in the end, like I feel like I finally made up for those three years when I wasn't asking for what I deserved. Mm, Mandy Woodruff, you is smart. <laughs> 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 so my tip for this week is to create a money team. So if anybody watches um, boxing, you've probably heard of um, Floyd Mayweather and he has a money team. Which Mr. Bieber is on. Are these the people who take <laughs> pictures of him with suitcase full of cash? <laughs> yes, but okay. you're not going to have that kind of money team. Your money team really is just a team of just people who hold you accountable. So on your money team, you'd want your accountant because you're going to have to pay taxes. Um, you're going to want Bay, your significant other partner, to be on board. Um, you're going to want at least one uh, friend. What if you don't have a Bay? Well, that's okay. If you don't have a bae, so this is just some potential people who can be on your money team. So you can have um, your sister, a coworker, someone, at least some other person aside from you who's working towards similar financial goals, and you guys can work toward them together. They don't have to be financial experts, just someone who's a good cheerleader. So no one who's going to make you feel bad, like, oh, so you bought that dress, huh? That's why you're broke. That is the antithesis antithesis to a, a money team member. <laughs> you want someone who is going to, you know, congratulate you when you do well and hold you accountable when you kind of fall off. So that's just really, really critical to have just someone on your team, like I said, outside of your professionals, like a financial advisor, um, a CPA, an accountant. And if you are owning a business, you might want to have a business coach. Um, Those are just some things. But at the very least, an accountability partner, someone who you can just check in with weekly or biweekly on some of your financial goals. It's like going to the gym with someone. You know, there's going to be some days that you don't feel like going and your partner's like, well, let's go. And some days your partner doesn't feel like going and you motivate them. 
So get yourself a money team. So some wins. Let's move on to wins. Yes. Wins of the week. You go first. So I'm way up. I feel blessed. Here's why. Because. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag blessed. Oh, God. Right? Hashtag blessed. So I have um, Bay. Bay is Superman. That's his, um, his ego, his name, his alter ego. I call him Superman. And because I've been happy in love with Superman for the last year and a half, I've also been gaining happy love weight. And yeah, isn't that great, Wendy? Cooking that good food. Yes, exactly. I just put on a little extra 20 pounds. <laughs> so because I'm the budgetista, I'm really not looking forward to buying a whole new wardrobe. So I said, Tiffany, I have to come down. At least some. Um, There's not a magic like weight number. It's like really when you get to the point where you have to spend money. Yes. That's where it's That's really much. for me, yeah. So for me, I don't really like, for me, I don't, you know, the, the amount is so much, it's not so important is that literally things are just like too tight or like a dress that I, I have. So normally I'm like a jeans and sneakers girl. And so I have some dresses that if I'm, from, I'm speaking as the budgetista, I have like some budgetista clothes. And my budgetista clothes are looking like club clothes. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like super tight, like boom, chicka, boom, chicka, boom. And I'm like, so I can't wear this when I speak at my next engagement. And so I've joined the gym and I joined before, but I'm actually back at it. And Good so, yes, that is my win this week that I'm back at the gym so I can like, you know, bring this delicious down to a mild roar. And um, yeah, so I can just get back in shape. Excellent. What about you? You know, I have. I'm a proud big sister, and I'm gonna give my win of the week award to my baby brother, who's not a baby anymore. Mm. um, Alex James. He's 23 years old. He just graduated from the University of Georgia, which happens to be my alma mater, Mm. too. He graduated in May, and he had not one, not two, but three job offers before he even graduated. He studied sales and marketing, and he has an amazing job with the company that I don't know if I should mention or not, but he has an amazing job uh, as a sales representative, and I was so proud listening to him not only get three job offers, but, like, work these people. Mm. He had them, (laughs) you know, competing for him. Oh, I got this offer from this one place. What can you do? Oh, they're going to give me moving expenses. Mm. What can you do? He was playing them like a violin, and it was. I was really proud of him. And he's just—he's everything. He's brown ambition to me. He's such a strong young man, and I'm just so proud of him. And he's living in Atlanta now in a sweet little apartment. And it's not even the fact that he's earning good money; it's the fact that he's being really responsible about I it. I love it. So yeah. we're gonna give a. Um, happy dance for Alex James. Alex James and everyone who's graduating college and doing their damn thing. Yes, love Earning it. money, saving money, and being responsible because you hear so much crap about how millennials mm-hmm. um, are irresponsible, brown. especially brown, <laughs> irresponsible, living with their parents, yep. living in the basement, don't want to be held accountable. And I think that my brother and his friends are an excellent example of the opposite of that. As do I. So that's it for Brown Ambition this week. I hope you enjoyed. If you have a win of the week you'd like to share, please, please, please send it on over. Or if you just have some comments, questions, maybe you have something you want us to talk about, you can send it to brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at the BA Podcast and Facebook us at Brown Ambition. And we will respond and hopefully read some of what you share with us on the air.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.